We are in probably the the most abused text in all of Scripture. I mean, I mean, you know, it's it's sort of like there, you know, the story of the guy that just sort of says all horses are pink, and so a person that's a friend of his seeks to change his mind and show him reality and walks a horse up to him that's just white. And he's like, take a look, here's a white horse, and the whole purpose of it is to show you that all horses aren't pink. And he's like, no, that's just a pink horse, which is a very, very, very pale shade of pink. And the reason I say that is, is this text becomes the launch pad for the opposite of what it was attended. And it, it, I stand in amazement when I actually look at it. So read along with me, if you would, please. It starts in chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away by those dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And that there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Now there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another is given the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body has many members, and that's where he picks it up there. But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, just so is also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. All have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not a part of the body. It says, therefore, not a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not, a, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were the eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole were hearing, well, then where would the smelling be? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But if indeed there are many members, yet one body, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the foot, I have no need of you, no much rather, these members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think are less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. 
and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part that lacks it. That there should be no schism or tearing in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then after that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have the same gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Did you notice that's in the list there? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts? And yet I will show you a more excellent way. Pray with me, would you please? Lord God, I just pray today, you know what you want to say in this time. You know how you want to minister. You know how you want to to work in such a way that we could really be touched today, ministered to, blessed and encouraged. But Lord, I confess to you that this text has been so brutally abused in so many ways by so many people that it's almost hard to see the simple clarity for what it really is. So Lord, please, pull out the muck the confusion, the needless math, and put in its place, Lord, the beautiful simplicity of what you have ordained in this time. Lord, I know that there's so many different directions we could go, Lord, and and certainly intellectual could be one of them, certainly from the, the standpoint of just instructing on text, and yet, Lord, the instruction that we could easily go to in this seems to be, in essence, kind of against what you intended the text to mean in the first place. So, Lord, please don't let us miss what you want to tell us tonight. So, Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds will be open to your leading. And I know in that what that means is, Lord, that we really need to be willing to listen to what you want to say. So, Lord, if we have been taught wrong, if we have misseen, if we have misknown, then please tonight change that. Teach us, Lord. Instruct us. But, Lord, draw us close to you that our relationship with you would be beautiful and profound. Please, Lord, have your way, we pray. We commit this night to you. Captivate us in your word. May we have so much fun in your word now, I pray. As I commit this all to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I'd say tonight as I would any, please don't just believe me. Don't just assume it's true, because I say so. Search the scriptures. Let the Bible truly have the final say. The problem with the text, to be honest, is some people approach it as if it were the beginning of the book. Chapter 12, this shouldn't be very difficult. Chapter 12 means how much of this book was before this point? Eleven chapters. Was that a difficult question? We're in trouble if that's a difficult question. That's the problem. 
we remove any form of context, we remove any form of ideals, and we go right into this with the idea that this is simply Paul saying, let's take a test, decide what your spiritual gifts are, and we everybody needs to know everybody better, better speak in tongues or they're not saved, which is completely opposite of the point of the text. See, understand, here is the problem. The problem is, is that Paul is writing to a church that should have grown up by now, but instead is spiritually retarded, literally. They are not growing up. Now, what would it look like if a church were to grow up? That's probably what we should be looking at here. For a church to grow up, let's say it this way. The moment, if you've not accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, let me tell you the entrance fee into Christianity. Jesus already paid it. We're all sinners. We deserve hell and damnation. But God in his love for us sent Jesus to die on the cross so that all of your guilt, your filth, your regret, your pain, your misery, all of that stuff that you know that you rightly could stand before God with has been paid for by Jesus. And in that, he gives you the choice now to say yes or no to that. If you say yes... Christ not only washes away all of your filth, your sin, your guilt, your shame, but he comes and makes his home inside of you and begins the universe's greatest makeover. The difference is it doesn't take a half hour or a one hour show. It takes a lifetime. Before, Mariana, miserably selfish, angry, bitter, blah, 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 sinner, (coughs) your sins here. But wait till you see the bus pull away at the end, what Mariana is going to be. That's the idea. If we were to grow up with, we call ourselves Christians, think about what the term means. The term means Christ-like. Wouldn't it bear reason to think that we should become more like Jesus? That should be a no-brainer, like 11 chapters before this. So who was Jesus? So he came to, in the simplest sense, he came to seek and to serve and to save the least, the last, and the lost. Put it in there, everything's safe. That's what we should become more like. More selfless, more serving. That's what we should become more like. More me last, more you first. That's what it should become more like. A group of mature Christians should look like the most selfless, serving, contented, stable individuals you've ever met. The problem is we just don't have that. We don't have that as some form of character type to say, wouldn't it be great if this is what it looked like when we grew up? So we don't even know what it looks like to grow up. So you know what we have? We have a church of Peter Pans. I'm going to never grow up, never grow up, never grow up. That's me and her and her and her. Hallelujah, that's me and her. And that's what it looks like. And this is what happens as a result of that. We show up at church and the old games get popped out just like we used to somewhere else. Hey, before I was saved, you walk in a room and the little computer chip in my head goes... Okay, priorities, things that will look important here. Things, conversations that you could steer that will make you look good. Things that will make you a sell. Everyone kind of has that button that if we get there, we could kind of be a little bit better maybe than the average Joe. How do I steer it and move it to that? Our humor, our cuteness, our wit, our whatever. And so we we look and figure out how to fit the new environment into that. And what that means is, how do I get on the top of this? And then we get to church. And we don't see maturity. 
We don't see people that are growing in the sense of trying to be more selfless. What we tend to see is the general faces is how do I get up there? How do I get on the top of that one? It looks just the same. The problem is, let me remind you, the church ain't the pastor. The church is the church. It's the people. Now, here's the problem. When somebody from the outside looks in and goes, oh, there's too many hypocrites in the church. I always say there's room for one more. Not everybody in the hospital is a doctor. Most of the people in the hospital are sick. That's why they're there. That's like saying, I don't know, I don't want to go to church because that's where people that have needs are. Yeah, the problem is you don't realize you have needs too. But if we grew up, imagine what it would look like a year from now. We'd be more selfless, more serving, more joyfully content, more stable in Christ. His word would be quicker on our tongues, not for the purpose of battling someone down, not for the purpose of nailing somebody to show how you're on top of them, but how to serve them. I learned scripture to know Jesus better and serve you better. I pray to serve Jesus better, to love Jesus better, to know Jesus better and to serve you better. That's what it looks like. Could you imagine if that's what we gauged maturity by? How are you doing? I'm not too sure that I'm out of my nappies when I start looking at it that way. Paul looked at this church and it has become flesh fest. Me first, me first, me first. Everything. And here's some of the ways you can tell. You become keenly aware of you. You're singing, though it should be just you and Jesus. And then as it's you and Jesus, it just becomes Jesus. Did you notice that when you're really worshiping God? Like in the beginning, it's just like, Lord, okay, Lord, it's me and you, Lord. And then after a while, it's just him. That's the right direction. The wrong direction is like, oh, Lord, I I wonder what that person thinks because I'm raising my hands. Oh, I hope I sing on pitch for the person in front of me because I hope they think I sound okay. And all of a sudden, it's like Jesus is like, I'll wait. I thought this was you and me. You know, and you're like, ah, and you know, and every once in a while you get that really gifted person. that's like, surrender. I surrender. You know, it's like, I understand when you win it, when you win it, you're just going for it. But there's a difference when the person's like, I surrender. And all of a sudden you kind of get this like, man, you ain't surrendering anything. But you need to start surrendering that right now. And what happens is we all get things that feed the flesh. Whatever those things are that, that make us all of a sudden keenly aware of us. Some of our friends, that should never be the case with Christians. Some things we could listen to or watch. Places we could be. And all of a sudden, some people, man, they can't watch football because, man, all it's all about them. I'm not saying that as a blanket statement. You've got to know what it is. Some people, man, they watch Captain America, and the next thing you know, they talk about them. So be careful. Some people can watch it. It doesn't affect them. But let me tell you what happens in the church. When P walks in, and it's all about P, and B, Runo, walks in, and it's all about B, Runo, and Zach walks in, and it's all about Z. Mario walks in, and it's all about M. Wouldn't marry next to him, so it's Eminem. One of the ways you can tell if the flesh is in the house, when we're competing. And somebody in the spirit says, because we think they're in the flesh, because if we said it, we'd be in the flesh, but that doesn't mean they are. They're like, you know, I just want you to know, 
I just memorized my first verse in my whole life. My first verse. Jesus wept. It's two words, but I memorized it. Two words. Jesus wept. Memorized my first scripture. That's awesome. And we say, oh yeah, well, I memorized the book of Ephesians yesterday. Right? That's like somebody saying, you know what? I think I'm losing a little weight. I think I'm getting a little healthy. And you just go, bam! And you hit him in the face. You go, hey, how, how healthy are you now? How you like me now? And all of a we're competing. Competition does not belong in the church unless we're crawling over each other to serve someone. And that becomes the problem. So here's the problem. Let's say we want to build something. And we're all in a place where we should be, which is like we really are selfless with, with the actually is somebody else in mind. So here's the idea. Let's just say something horrible happens and Penny's in a place where she needs a house built for. Here's the good news. Mario was trained in this. Mark, by the way, is trained as a finishing contractor. You could start it. He could finish it. The rest of us, mm, who do you hand a hammer to? And who do you hand a hat to? But all of a sudden, what happens? We just love the Lord and we love each other and we love Penny, so we want to serve her. So in the beginning of it all, what happens is we just start, we start working. It's like, okay, and you know, and this is how it starts. Tell me what to do. Let's do it. That's a good place to start. You stand before Jesus and you go, you tell me what to do. Let's do it. There's no credit. And then what happened? Mario will say, all right, okay, well, I'll tell you what. You look like you could carry some boards. Daniel, carry a bunch of boards. There's okay, where to? Well, from here to here, okay. Okay, P and B, Bruno, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and take those. I want you to stack them over here, and then I'm going to put them up. I'm going to start hammering them. And also, Bruno goes, but why can't I have the hammer? And he's like, here, hold it. And he lets go of it right before Bruno could grab it, drops on his foot, and he goes, any more questions? But in the beginning of it all, we're just happy to serve. Do you know what I'm saying? Because he hasn't taken out the power tools yet. The power tools are the ones that make noise. And you got to know that, man, if you get a power tool, you've graduated to something great, right? That thing that like, cuts off arms and limbs and other limbs and stuff, because I know an arm's a limb. And wood, too, by the way. And so, but here's what happens. In the beginning, we just have these tools. We have these tools because the purpose is to build, is to build up, to build up, to build up. <laughs> and at this point, Mario's kind of being the foreman because he has experience. He knows what. He could read the blueprints. He knows what this is supposed to be about. And he's going to help get this thing going. Does that make sense? So what happens is Mario, being a wise foreman, says, hey, you know what? I actually think, I moan, I think you'd be really great over here and we're going to start running you this. And Lauren, plumbing, clearly plumbing. The good news is it's all clean. It hasn't been used yet. So we're going to start showing you how that's going to start working. You know, um, let's get the Italian gals. Let's get you on the wiring because it'd be really fun if it's turned on and you go, ay, 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 ay. It'd be fun. So we'll get you on the wiring. You know, let's get you on that. Mary, you can just make sure when we back out, you can stand in the street so something doesn't hit because you could go, yeah, stop this. Okay, so everyone's got a role. Everyone's got a role. Now, for some, maybe maybe not as cool as others, but it doesn't matter because the important thing is we're building a house. Does that make sense? That's the important thing. Everybody's happy, including Penny. Because what Penny gets in it all, listen, 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 what Penny gets in the end of it all is she gets to live there. Right? So this is what happens. All of a sudden, somewhere down the line, the flesh steps in. And so what happens is two guys are carrying wood and one guy carries more wood, which isn't a problem until he starts making it clear. Because the words like more and keeping score, that's where the flesh steps in. You know, I did this more than you did. 
So how many you carry? Three? Ooh, that's a shame. I got 16. 16. Four. Was that three again? Was that, was that three? You carry three, right? I got 16. I got 16. Right? And that's what starts happening, right? And then you watch somebody and they hit their thumb with, this, with a hammer. And then you're like, mm, I haven't hit my thumb all day. Mm, look at that. Oh, another perfect hit. Oh, watch, watch this. Mm, I'm, ooh. Right? And all of a sudden, as soon as that starts, though, it gets dangerous. Because all of a sudden, hammers start flying. And, you know, right? You know, because everyone's like, everyone, all of a sudden, everyone's like a ninja with their thing. And then he pulls out the, okay. And then all of a sudden, somewhere down the line, power tools need to be, are necessary. Things like nail guns. Oh, my goodness. And saws. Those are power tools. But they are still used for the same thing, aren't they? They are used to get the job done, to build this thing so Penny can live there. Are you with me on this? And then we start competing. We start revving our saws to see who can rev the loudest, who can cut the best. Check out how straight that thing is. Give me a I could cut more. How many did you cut? And that's what starts happening. Because i got to be the best cutter like that ever made a difference at all. Like Penny's ever going to sit in the house and go, I wonder who cut more of this timber. I wonder who missed their thumb the most when they were putting in the nails. Do you think that's going to matter? All that really matters is that Penny has a good, safe home to live in. And the more the flesh steps in, the more unsafe the house is going to be because you're just going to be busy about trying to get more product out than actually doing it right because the love is gone now. Does that make sense? Here's the difference. Instead of Penny, it's God. And instead of, that's the Father. Instead of Mario, is the foreman. Jesus is now with the Holy Spirit dedicating. And see, in the beginning, we have talents. Talents are different than gifts, but talents you still have. Talents can be singing. It's not a spiritual gift, by the way. Dancing is not a spiritual gift. It's nice. People say, you have the spiritual gift of worship leading. Mm, find it in Scripture. It ain't there. Now, there are some things that can work within it, but they aren't here. It's like, yeah, but when that person takes a photo, I feel God. Well, praise the Lord for that, but there's no spiritual God of photography. I have the spiritual gift of tying my shoes. When I walk by, whew, you can feel the spirit. Feel it. Feel it. You're all going to be slain in a moment. You just watch. Right? That's the penal. Listen, here's the problem. It became about me again. And here he is, and this is what happens. After these talents, he gives power tools. You know what power tools are? Things that are really dangerous when used for anything other than their intended purpose. My father watched a guy haft at a, um, uh, it was like a steel plate where they used to do like the corrugated aluminum stuff, you know, that kind of thing, where they were doing kind of sheet metal is what they called it. And the guy was like unsafe with the saw. And so what happened is, is he was pushing, but he kind of pushed it haphazardly and the thing kicked and shot back and just cut the guy right in half right in front of him. He was like, wow, you don't see that every day, which is good news. That's, and here's the problem with a power tool. As a power tool can do great work real quick. A nail gun can go a lot quicker than a hammer if it's used right. A nail gun could also go really quick to a skull, which is really bad. The difference is where you point it and for what purpose. Teaching is a great gift. It can be a talent or a gift. That's one of the few that are like that. A talent means you can communicate that information on worldly things. A gift means you can communicate about eternal matters. 
And I know guys that are talented that may not necessarily be gifted. I've watched a guy teach. I still can't I still can't figure out what in the world he was trying to go at. But he showed how something was like changing a carburetor in a car. And I actually learned how to change a carburetor in a car. But I had no idea how that had any form of eternal significance. But at least I felt like safer driving home. And then there are other guys who couldn't teach you anything. They couldn't teach you how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which should be fairly simple. It's peanut butter jelly sandwich. There you go. But... When they start opening up scripture, it's like beautiful things come out and you get it. And here's the problem, beloved. When Paul writes this chapter, and I'm going to tell you, please hear me. Chapters 12 through 14 are about spiritual gifts. Chapter 12, he introduces the, uh, the issue of how spiritual gifts should be dealt with. Chapter 14, how they should be practiced in church. But let me ask you, what is the most famous chapter of Scripture in all of the Bible? 1 Corinthians 13. That is the meat of your sandwich. He nestled it in between those two things. That is the context of 1 Corinthians 13. Is in between, so you want to build? Here's the gifts to build. Here's how they're practiced in the church and love. He says, and I'm going to show you a more excellent way, a more excellent way than what? Than prophesying, than speaking in tongues, than healing. It's a more excellent way than that? Yes, that's what he tells us here. Now, all of a sudden, the whole thing changes. See, this wasn't like, hey, so let's just see what spiritual gifts you have so we could see which one of you is more awesome than the next. Let me tell you who's more awesome. Jesus is. Let me tell you who's less awesome. We are. There you go. How was that? Is that bad for your self-esteem? Get God-esteem. It changes everything. Please hear me. Notice in chapter 12, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts. That's how it starts. We are actually in the chapter now, believe it or not. He says, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. The word ignorant, by the way, Gnosto, like to know. Agnostic is the simple word here. So when someone says, I'm an agnostic and God's okay with that, I'm like, right here, it says, I wouldn't want you to be agnostic. That's the term. In regards to spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know what that means? If we don't get what's in this, we're ignorant in regards to spiritual gifts. Now, let me, tell, let me say something. Does having, a, does having a power tool make you a builder? Not if you've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He wasn't a builder, but he was certainly good with that. On the same way, having a spiritual gift does not make you a great gift to the church. That's the danger. So now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now you know, listen, talk about, putting, talk about self-esteem. You know that you were Gentiles, carried about to these dumb idols however you were led. Do you know what that means? He says, do you remember where you guys came from? You believed anything. That's what he said. Hey, I just want to warn you guys, when we get down to this, you need to recognize this started with you just being dumb. You were led to anything. Hey, you know what? Maybe you didn't believe that kind of stuff, but let me just say one word. Horoscope. Any of you ever read one? And you go, oh my goodness. Well, all of us born in this particular 30-day period, all are going to meet the same tall, dark stranger today? Really? You bought that, huh? Hey, you know, let me tell you, I was, when my mother was dying of cancer, she tried everything to get well. She tried everything. And she, well, she went way off the Richter on all of this like strange, like 
we had seances in our house, all kinds of crazy witchcraft stuff going on. And she suggested, I mean, I was a little younger than Ruthie at the time. And if you wonder where Ruthie got it, you'll know now. Um, I, maybe I was eight or seven. But she asked if I would call this, like, one of those, like, psychic hotlines. She's like, you should just call one of those psychic hotlines. Now, I know, I mean, I knew that you were paying by the minute, so I kind of got the idea that we're going to probably try to keep you on forever. So I, I, I'm like, you know, again, I don't remotely know Jesus, obviously. And I'm, so I'm calling this thing. I'm like a seven-year-old kid. And, and I call in. It's like, hi, this is, you know, Celestina or whatever, you know, something that involved a planet probably somewhere and then something that made it sound Greek or something. And, um, you know, it's like, hi. And, and she said, what's your name and what's your birthday? And I went and I stopped. I went, well, you're the psychic. You tell me. She hung up on me. That was the end of my psychic experience. Like, if you were really so good, shouldn't you be able to answer those questions? I'm going to, I'm going to ask, trust you with other questions when you can't even answer the most basic ones. And by the way, what's my shoe size? And anyway, you get the idea. And here's the point. Paul's like, look, it, you need to, let me, let, let me just check, you, check yourself. Remember where you came from? When you used to get drunk and you'd vomit all over your shoes, you'd wake up next to a toilet and you'd go and you'd say to your friends, that was so great. You really bought that, huh? I remember when we were parked next to the university, people would come from the university, uh, so to speak. And I remember one person saying, you know, I'm still trying to get used to the taste of alcohol. I'm thinking, so why do you need it? Like, because my friends do. And I'm like, wow, that really sounds so unintelligent. That's the reason you do this. You hate the taste for it. It makes you feel awful. And the only reason is so that your friends will like you. Well, what do you suggest, Pastor? Get real friends. They're like, "I've I've never considered that. Pretty obvious. How easily we could be led. Oh, this is a little harmless thing. Is it really? Really? And Paul says, look, you need to realize you have a propensity to buy the farm. So therefore, any person that stands up in the church and says Jesus is in hell, that's from the Spirit of God. Don't you think it's strange that Paul even has to say that? That's how crazy this church had gotten. That someone could stand up and say, oh, no, 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 Jesus is in hell. He is accursed because I'm spiritual. I know. And they bought it. If that were the case, how much other stuff do you think they they bought? Isn't that what they're saying here? Nobody can say that by the power of the Spirit of God, which tells us that they were acting like the Spirit of God was leading them to do this. When the Spirit of, the God, of Spirit of God moves, do you really think His purpose is to glorify the tool? His purpose is to build a house for which you get to be a part of and I get to be a part of. But man, the moment we start keeping score and it becomes about us, we got issues and those power tools are dangerous things. Imagine somebody gets a chainsaw and then says, only people with chainsaws are builders. Wouldn't that sound crazy? I finally got a Makita nail gun. And only people with Makita nail guns are real carpenters. Really? That's insane. Does every carpenter have a Makita nail gun? You're like, what is that? Well, then clearly you're no carpenter. And yet he'll say here, do all have the gifts of healing? What do you think the answer to that is? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do you have the gift of healing? Maybe, maybe not. Do all have the gift of healing? Do all prophesy? 
Do all speak in tongues? Oh, that's in the middle of those? So is it really like, no, 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 yes, no, really, that's how he rolls? Is it like Paul Bipolar all of a sudden on us? And he's just like, oh, I just threw that zinger in there just to kind of confuse you. Uh, yeah, really? That's what he wants to do to the ch- this church that's already so wonky? This church is believing some guys like, I have, I'm having a spiritual experience. Jesus is in hell. Really? And we all go, oh, that was really spiritual. Hey, can I say something about that? Because we're in a world where that's like, that's what people say, right? They're either, you're either religious or spiritual, right? So, so follow me on this. So they're like, oh, you're spiritual. I'm spiritual too. Like we're going to go, oh, that's awesome. Give me a spiritual hug, a holy hug. But you know what that's like? It would be like Andre's a pharmacist, right? And as a pharmacist, he walks by some guy and he says, oh, you're a pharmacist? I deal drugs too. Give me a hug. Really? Okay, they're still dealing with fairly similar situations, but for very different purposes. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, I toy with the spiritual world. I play with demons. You love Jesus. Give me a hug. We have unity. No, we don't. Hey, listen, little potter boy. We ain't the same family. That's just the way it works. So nobody can say Jesus is a curse. But then you go, well, wait a minute. Nobody can say Jesus is Lord, but by the power of the Spirit of God? Yeah. Okay, wait a minute. But, but I know people that say it, and they don't seem like they're under the governance. That doesn't mean the Holy Spirit can't use them. Hey, just because the Holy Spirit uses you does not mean that you're saved. But the world doesn't even know it. That's the crazy part. The world doesn't even know it when the Holy Spirit can use someone. How do I know that? Because the Holy Spirit can move people, and I've watched this, and the Scripture shows us, can move people like evil kings to do things that bring about freedom. God knows. I mean, he's not limited to anything. But, man, the world can't receive him. And here's the point. Sometimes what will happen is someone will say something that even hates God and it'll be totally prophecy. For instance, Caiaphas, when he says, you know nothing. Don't you know it's expedient that one man should die for the whole country? And people are like, wow, that's a really good idea. And he goes, he didn't even know what he was saying. But what he did is he prophesied that Jesus would die for the whole nation. So listen now. Notice, by the way, the key word here when he talks about this. And of course, Again, I don't think all of this can be developed because I don't think it really needs to at the moment. The stuff I'd love to develop, I think, could be almost counterproductive. Listen, this is about spiritual gifts. Paul says, now concerning them, which tells me, by the way, that he's answering questions again from this church. And he says, hey, I know you guys were carried around by dumb idols. You guys were easily led before. So listen, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversity or differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There's a diversity of activities, but the same God. You get the word that we're shooting for here? The word is same. Interesting, because the word diversities, differences, and diversities is the same word, by the way, in all three of the cases in the Greek. And it just means the various types of of a similar like. So there are different gifts. By the way, did you see the Trinity in that? The Spirit, the Lord, and the God. Did you see it there? There are different... Don't Listen, and here's the way it works. Not everybody's going to have the same gifts. Not everybody's going to have the same ministries. And not everybody's going to have the same activity in those ministries. Does that make sense? So here it works. Because, see, the idea of it is, to build a house, there are various things needed. 
You're not the farm, the foreman. You're actually just a tool. And what happens is think of yourself as one of those cool screwdrivers that have the various little lock-in tops on it, you know, the tips. And God knows when to put the tip in that's one for necessary for one thing, and he puts in a tip in for another when he knows it needed for another. That's kind of an exciting thought. And so here's the idea. The idea of this is that though we may all belong to Jesus, that does not mean we'll all have a same. Any gift, that's the same. That immediately disqualifies the idea that every believer must have the same gift. I'll tell you the one gift every believer does have, that's Jesus Christ. That's what we have. That's the gift that belongs. But let's just say, out of some really quirky thing, only those who had the gift of teaching showed up here tonight. So though, though the church may be varied, strange as it is, tonight was like all the teachers showed up. Even if we all had the same gift, we not, may not all have the same ministry. Enrgejo. Enrgejo is the idea of, of exercising it. In other words, some of you may do so in a one-on-one discipleship kind of way. Still teaching. Some may do it in a counseling way. You may minister to two couples, but counseling. Some may do it in front of a group of people like I am at this moment. But there are different ways that they're exercises. That makes sense. And then it says, with different activities. And the idea of that is they may bring about different results. Now, that doesn't mean that people won't get taught. But the idea is that let's say that Andre really is a marriage counselor. So he's reaching out. His purpose, though he's teaching, is for the purpose of restoring marriages. On the other side of that, Bruno may have a real heart for the brand new believer. And as a result of that, he wants to just disciple people that are brand new, fresh out of the woman Christ to grow up. Does that make sense? On the other side of it, Peel, on the other hand, he's, a, he's going to go beyond that. And he's going to look and he's going to go and say, <clears throat> my heart, to be honest, is to see guys propelled into ministry. Here's the problem. Do you know who you assume or people naturally assume should do all of that? Me. While y'all sit around and get fat. How sad. Even though I'm a ball hog and a fun hog, I don't want to rob you of the fun of part of that. Let's say, mm, that person needs to be discipled. Pastor Tony, and it's like, funny, the Lord told you. Don't you think that's strange? He has my number. Why do you think he called you to tell me? Do you think I'm not getting it? Do you think I'm looking, oh, it's God. I just better put that on silent. Really? But here's the crazy part. What if what happens is, is that somebody, and this happens with evangelism too, by the way. But what happens is there's a couple and they're in trouble and they don't know Jesus. And so as a result of that, God raises up one of the least likely people. Let's say Daniel. Single young man, but he's got the groove. They come in and Daniel comes and he, and he talks to them. By the way, please hear me. If you ever have the privilege of sitting with a couple that's in crisis and they don't know Jesus, get them to the gospel, please. You have the privilege of sitting to somebody who's suicidal. Get them to the gospel, please. Somebody that's having struggles. They're dealing with, with whatever it is, internet pornography or addiction to heroin or whatever. Get them to the gospel, please. That's where it starts. So here's what happens. A couple's in crisis. They go to Daniel. Daniel is, I don't know, I've never been married. I mean, I'm, not even, I'm barely old enough to be married in most countries. But just the same, okay. But I'm going to sit down. And he sits and he listens to somebody. He goes, you know what the problem is? Both of you are very, very selfish and you suck. You suck from her. She sucks from him. You need Jesus. You need it. And here's what happened. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. You need to receive him. And so all of a sudden, what happens is the husband first. She's like, I don't know. That stuff sounds crazy. But the husband says, you're right. I want to give my life to Jesus. So he prays. 
You know what happens? Daniel happens to know, though, that there's a guy with a real burden in his heart. And a burden shouldn't be a heavy, horrible thing. It's an excitement when the opportunity comes. Let me say that again. A burden shouldn't be a heavy thing on the heart. It's an excitement when that opportunity comes. And Daniel says, I happen to know this buddy of mine who's also young and single, but strange as it is, but he loves new believers. and He would really love to sit down with you now. And so what happens is, he says, can you talk to Bruno? Would you be willing? Sure. He brings him in so it isn't freaky. And he says, the next time you come in here to sit with me, I'm going to sit with, I'm going to have Bruno here too. And so Bruno all of a sudden starts to sit with him. And he goes, let me just show you what the Bible looks like. Let me give you a basic overview. Let's start reading it together. And Bruno's not just trying to teach, 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 teach him stuff. What he's trying to do is, he's saying, now read it and show me what you're getting. I'm not getting much. I'm getting this. But you're getting this. And for the first time, the guy goes, whoa, I actually, I am getting stuff in Scripture. You, you following me? And all of a sudden, as Bruno's sitting and talking to him, this guy gets really excited and he starts to share and he starts turning around and he can't help but share with his buddies. And as he starts to share with his buddies, they start getting saved. And as they start getting saved, P starts looking and he goes, that guy smells like he looks like ministry to me. And so what happens is I want to start going and developing this guy for ministry. You know, and what happens is he says, let's do that. Now, by the way, you didn't need my permission for any of that. That's not my job. You know, what my job is to do what the Lord called me to do. And that's what I'm doing. And the reason you're here is I think you kind of believe it too. Now, follow me on that. So what happens is P starts working with it. And at this time, I'm a little bit aware of it. The guy's been in church. He's been in fellowship. Because fellowship is where you get to try those things out on people. And we get to start seeing that. And that guy starts happening. And what happens we start seeing him develop. We know this guy a little bit. Now we're sitting. We're having lunch with him. We're watching him. We're seeing him develop. He's teaching. He's sharing the word. It's beautiful. And then all of a sudden, we sit with him. And the guy, every time he sees a picture for Japan, he starts crying. And you're like, mmm, Japan, huh? Oh, udon noodles. Oh, he starts crying. Sushi, he starts crying. You're like, wow, do you hate the food that bad? He's like, no. I don't even know what it is. But every time I hear like, like beautiful little koto playing, my heart just starts to be strung. And you're like, man, well, maybe what you need to do is go and get there. But while all of this is happening, at that same time, here's the crazy part is all of a sudden with all that, Marcia sits down with a gal that's in prison. She just got fresh out of prison and she has the privilege of sitting with her and leads her to Jesus. And as she leads her to Jesus, something happens. Because as she starts to lead her to Jesus, she says, you know, I I think really has a heart for new believers. And she really wants to go and encourage you. And by the way, that's like, hey, why don't you get baptized? Why don't you do that? Well, why do I have to do that? Because we obey the Lord. And so Imone's like, I know I felt that same thing. So, you know, so all of a sudden I won't start sharing with her at that point. And as I won't start sharing with her, all of a sudden the same kind of thing happens with the ministry. But as that all of a sudden happens, she goes, well, wait a minute, what do you mean you're married? Well, yeah, well, we've been kind of going to counseling. And all of a sudden, Imon says, well, who have you been going to counseling with? This guy, Daniel Taylor. She says, oh, my goodness, really? I'm going to call him. Are you what? You know him? Oh, yeah, we go to the same church. So all of a sudden, she calls Daniel, and she goes, well, let me bring her in. And she got saved, and now she's like, you know, I realize I've been a mess. And all of a sudden, she goes, would you like to see your husband again? She goes, yes, I would. So what happens, Daniel now calls these two guys. And all of a sudden what happens is, is that all of a sudden they get in there and now look at all the people that got to play into that. And I got to be no part of that but praying for all of you. Every once in a while, maybe P might say, man, I don't know about this question. Or Bruno might say, what do you think about this? And my first answer is, well, what's the Lord showing you first? Well, this and this. I'm like, that's really great, Bruno. You're on the right track. Keep it up. Right? The two of them get restored and off they go to Japan. Do you see how that worked? But now what would happen if it's this like, oh, we got a couple, Pastor Tony, there's a couple, and they came to me, and you should go do some counseling. Probably. 
But what would happen is that, you know what happens? Maybe in the end of it all, they're going to find Jesus or they're going to walk out of my office. But you don't get to be a part of that script anymore. Wouldn't that stink? Well, here's the sad thing. Is when it becomes about us, it doesn't become about that couple anymore. And Bruno wants to make sure that he taught everything that he thinks P is going to teach so that P feels real dumb when he goes in there to share. He goes, oh, you already learned that? Bruno's an amazing teacher. See what I'm saying? And that's what happens in church, beloved, if we're not careful. If it isn't about Jesus, it's going to be about us. Can I just say that? That's really the bottom line. If it isn't going to be about Jesus, it's just going to be about us. And we can, and I could walk you through how to handle your finances the Lord's way and how to be happy the Lord's way. And the whole thing sounds like a big DIY seminar, but it ain't about Jesus anymore. He's like sort of one of the tools in your tool belt instead of you're the tool in his. And then we fight. And it's stupid. It's just stupid. And here's the natural propensity, right? When that happens, one of two things happen because there's two different groups of people naturally. There's the one that really wants to be above everyone else and there's the one that naturally feels like they will never be there. And he points out both here. He nails it. He says, this is the way it works. He says, maybe you're a part that you don't think you should be. Like you see something and like, oh, that's a cool part. That guy gets a mic on his face or he gets to play guitar or whatever. And I just feel like, you know, like he doesn't really do anything with his life, but he stands up. He doesn't prepare for anything. He just goes, he just plays guitar and everyone naturally magically follows him. That's probably the way that works. And he just stands up and opens up the Bible. He's never studied it before. It's just magical. The Lord just takes, no, yeah, good luck with that, right? It's like, oh, it's so easy. What do you do for the rest of your life? Oh, nothing. I just sleep and teach. All right, whatever. And, and, and what happens like, oh, I wish I were that. Well, aren't you glad your body doesn't act like that? But within the body, there are going to be those, hear me, hear me, hear me, that are going to disqualify yourself because you're not something else. You know why you're not something else? Because something else is already something else. You're supposed to be something else than that something else. And so he says, you know, okay, so what? A foot, an eye, a hand, they want to argue with each other? And what happens on one side is it says, you know, I'm nothing because I'm just a foot. Yeah, but you know what? You get a sliver in your toe, the whole body knows it. You know, you pull this thing on, I'm like, I can't believe something this size changed my day. Right? You get a rock in your shoe, it feels like you're stepping on the Giza pyramid. Right? You pull this thing on, you're like, what? This was everything. This, this was everything. Because your foot screamed to your body, the rest of your body. Right? It's like you get nauseous, every part of your, your fingers get nauseous. Weird how that works. I was saying, like, don't touch my fingers. I'm nauseous. Don't touch my fingers. How that works? So on one side of it, there's a part. But can you imagine if all of a sudden, you know, so somewhere deep within the belly of pea is a spleen. And that spleen says, nobody sees me. Dang it. I'm not important. I'm just a spleen. You know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to pop out of his navel and show the world how awesome it is to be a spleen. Spleen day. I decided tomorrow is spleen day. Spleen day. Y'all got to wear a halter top because you need to see me. <coughs> now, I guarantee you, Paul would not be very happy about that. Would you, be, would you be happy about that? Jenny. Kidneys. Two of them. Most people have them. Oh, come on. Kidneys? Man, you know, she backs into things. She runs into things all the time. All she ever does is just beat on me. 
They're just like, I mean, like she doesn't even really care. Forget it. You know what? I'm on strike. Today I decided this is kidney don't work day. Oh, she's going to know it. She's going to know it right away. That's what happens. Daniela. Everything from her neck down says, I get no attention. Everything's always looking at my face. Everything's looking at my face. Forget it. I'm not important. I'm going to do what I want to do. Can you imagine if your hands did what they wanted to do? And you were eating with a fork? You start looking like you've got freckles all over your face. What are those? Those are scars. From what my hand decided it, it just wanted to do. It wasn't interested in following what the brain said. The mouth said, I'm hungry. And it said, shut up. You're always hungry. You're always talking. And you're always hungry. And I just got to carry stuff to you so you can eat. So you can have energy to talk some more. I decided today I'm going to poke you in the lip and in the eye. You ain't going to say anything but out. You know, it's ridiculous. That's what we look like. Here's the crazy thing. The most dysfunctional, messed up body that exists on the planet is Christ's. Is that the weirdest thing? Because one hand doesn't want to talk to the other. They're in different churches because mm, we don't work with the right hand. Those are right brain people. Or those are left brain people. Those creative ones, ooh, not us. Or ooh, those liturgical ones, they're so boring, mm, not us. So God says, I want to clap. They're like, mm-mm. Unless you like Taoism, one hand clapping, it ain't happening. You could do that whole like clap thing like this, it ain't happening. I'd rather slap you. That's what the church is. And what happens most of the church is like, well, we'll just let the pastor do it. Because he's like, what am I, like the head? Jesus is the head. What? I don't even know what I am, the neck. What am I? I'll tell you all, I'm just happy to be anything. Because I don't, need to be, I don't deserve to be a part of the body. And can I just say this? He doesn't make mistakes. None of you are moles, cancerous tumors. None of you are parts that God's like, oh, that's going to make a burden. It doesn't work. You belong there. But here's the natural side. Is some of you in this room right now are saying, yeah, but I am just. The moment you say just, in the word I am, you're in trouble. I'm just a foot. I'm just a hand. I'm just, but I'm, I'm not an eye. I mean, an eye. That's, people look in eyes. When was the last time someone stared at a hand? You know what that is? That's all about you now. It's all about me. Because nobody cares what I do. And you're keeping score, right? But you're keeping score in a way where it's like you're the victim. Right? But then there's the other part of the body. The other part where it doesn't say I'm just. It says you're just. It says there's the other part that looks and says just because some part ain't your part doesn't mean it ain't a part of the body either. He says that's the way the body Aren't you glad that God created your body a lot better than we're being? And there are some that are like, mm, well, we're, the, we're the tongue talkers. We're the healers. We're to get up and shout people. We're the Bible people. We're the prayers. We pray all night. You know what? Praise the Lord, then be there and do it. But here's the thing, beloved. If the body functioned, Christ would be on the move. When the body dismembered, Christ can't be on the move except his head could roll. That's as far as it goes. But isn't that what happens here? You see why the enemies work so hard at making it about us? Because if you dismember the body, who suffers? It's like this whole thing's like a horror flick. And we get to be a part of it. And here's the crazy part. 
It's like the body kills itself. Consider this. There are some, and here's the problem. There are some that are like, maybe like the autoimmune system. They're quick to spot things that are wrong, and that's a good thing. But the problem is, do you know what happens when your autoimmune system isn't doing what it's supposed to? It attacks the body. And I watch this with these things in some of these websites that are called like, you know, anyways, I probably shouldn't even go there. But it's, it's like, you know, these websites where it's like, we're going to tell you why every person in the world is part of, G, of, of that they call it, claims himself to be Christian, is now part of Satan. You know, oh, when that person that sold all of these books and this person that led all those people to the Lord, oh, they're clearly Illuminati, they're Satan. And oh, this person, oh, and this person, and oh, and this person was at this thing sharing Jesus with that guy, so he's probably clearly, and this guy was in a pub once, and oh, he's probably clearly going to hell. And it's like, you know what that is? That's like the autoimmune destroying the body. How horrible. But man, if it was out there doing what it should be doing, it would be protecting the body, not from the body, but from the world. Prophets are supposed to be like that, by the way. They're supposed to be challenging the church to do what God called them to. It's what repent first and foremost. So please hear me. I'm going to read through this a bit. But can I just say, I'm not doing everything I could do, but I want to. We have several studies a week, but I want more. But see, this isn't just about me going out and teaching people. A pastor doesn't just teach people. The same way that I'm not a dad because I give my kids food. There's love and nurture and protect and guide and lead. I mean, those things all good to be a part of it. But please hear me. If I could get you, if I could in any way encourage you to fall in love with Jesus, I believe you'll be the part of the body he called you to be. And you'll take delight in it. You'll take delight in it. And I, man, I would pray that every part of my body takes delight in being the part of the body it is. Lately, these days, my nose has taken great delight in producing lots of mucus. Some of you have had that kind of problem over the last couple of months. Which just means, by the way, that other things have made its way into this system that need to get out. Hey, I don't like it. It's not comfortable. But I get the idea here that the body even has ways of trying to cast out things that don't belong in the body at the time. That are pathogenic. They're dangerous living organisms. But please hear me. God created this church. God created this church. And the church ain't me. The church is you and me. Jesus is the head. He's the character. He's the leader. He's the one we identify with. And as long as it's about him, it won't be about us. And it won't be check out how I'm better than you or check out how I'll never be as good as you. And that's what happens. The moment both of them still have I in it. You got that? There's no I in Jesus unless it's Arabic. Anyway, so listen. Listen to this text. We're almost done here, beloved. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried about by these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Oh, there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversity of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversity of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. The manifestation of the Spirit, listen, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Did you notice that? Before we even go beyond it. God wants to manifest His Holy Spirit in each of us for the profit of everyone. Not for your profit, but for everyone else's. 
Teaching shouldn't be about who's the greatest teacher. It's about getting to know Jesus. Evangelism shouldn't be about how many people got saved. Because God never gauges success upon the results. He gauges it on obedience. Am I being obedient? I'm seeking to be. What if we all were? And I'll be honest, I have it easy. He marked out my role pretty easy. But here's the thing I'm seeing it, beloved. I'm watching you love Jesus. And it isn't like, how many times did you share with people today? We're not taking because that's scorekeeping, isn't it? It's just, I'm available. Lord, I'm available. And it's about you. That's all. So listen. So one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit. Another is given a word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gift of healings by the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works in all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. This is where we end it today. Next week, God willing, we will develop those spiritual gifts for the purpose of saying, let me show you some of God's power tools. None of them are to make you awesome. Jesus made you awesome. So stop trying to prove it. You're already there. Jesus made you awesome. Now go make other people blessed. Now here we go. Have you accepted this gift of, Christ, of Jesus? Have you accepted his death on the cross for you? If you are, then you call yourself a Christian. Then do you want to walk with me in a way that says, let's grow up the way God intended to become more like Jesus. Man, you know what? The less I think of me, the happier I am. The more joyful I am. And the more at peace I'm at. And the Lord wants you content. And he wants you at peace. If you've not accepted the gift of Jesus, I'm going to give you that choice. If you have, my prayer is that the Lord would continue to develop in us simply this. Who are we becoming more like? The world or the Lord? The world says, me first, me first, me first. And Jesus never said me first. He said you first. And I'm so thankful. Will you pray with me? Lord God, thank you so much for this beautiful text. Thank you for what you've done in it. Thank you for the way, Lord, you speak to us. And I feel like we're just beginning to scratch the surface of this beautiful text. But Lord, I recognize this church was in a lot of was a mess. It was a lot of it was in a lot of mess. It was in a lot of deep problems. And the biggest one was is that we were just so full of themselves. But I confess to you that the Western church is no better. We're arguing more over gay marriage, which should make no sense at all to me, than we are about how we can reach the lost. We're more concerned with figuring out how we can get more people into the church than we are about how to get more people into you. And I recognize, Lord, that numbers are quantifiable and it's easy to reflect. Who's got the bigger church? But if you come, how can it get any bigger? 
So, Lord, I pray that this week things would change. That, Lord, you would start developing in each of us this letting go of ourselves so you could be glorified like you deserve. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you that our bodies, as messed up as some of them may be, are so much better than yours is. But, Lord, you've given us our bodies as an example. So this week, Lord, develop us that us as that part of the body you desire for us to be. And Lord, thank you that we don't have to do everything, but we get to do what you call us. And that should be awesome. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. It is to be celebrated, Lord, to be celebrated. So Lord, may we be hungry to be even more so, to be the best spleen or kidney or kneecap or toenail or whatever, Lord. And those parts, Lord, that get less honor, oh boy, if those things stop up, it's a lot worse. And Lord, may we actually start thinking like a body in such a way, or continue to think as a body in such a way, that when one party suffers, one part suffers, we suffer with it. And when one part is glorified, we bless with it. And we rejoice with it. And Lord, I pray right now, that you would take us, Lord, and, de- and develop within us, Lord, that heart. Lord, to love you with everything. <clears throat> to really connect to you and allow you to lead us. That we would make you know, not us. That we would glorify you, not us. That we would seek for the world to know how good you are, not us. And we recognize for that to happen, we have to die. So, Lord, slay the part of us that puts us first. And in its place, Lord, give us that passion to love you the way we should. So we commit ourselves to you now in this, Lord. And while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you've not accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, I'm praying a prayer right now and I ask you to listen. And if you agree at the end, I ask you to give a simple and confident amen. And what you're saying is, I agree, let those words be mine. Let that prayer be mine. So be it in my life. And here it is. God, I'm a sinner. And you punish sin. Because you love me, you punished your son in my place who died on the cross for my sin and paid for it in full, was buried and rose again, just like your scripture promised. And now he offers to be my ransom, my payment, my Lord, my love, my life. And I say yes. Jesus, be my everything. As we commit this to you now, I say yes to you. I'm yours, Jesus, in your name. And if you agree, I ask you to give a confident, resounding Amen.